Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You know I've been talking about earned media value for quite some time on this podcast. My friends at Eisenberg have just raised the bar on earned media benchmarks with their social index. Social Index now gives you globally earned media values across a growing list of six geographies for all your KPIs across the top seven social platforms, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Snapchat, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. You can now visualize these values for deeper analysis, and they have a look-back window over two years of historical comparisons. Social Index is updated daily. Don't get stuck with old data. Over 1,000 companies have used the social index to understand the ROI of their social campaigns. And if you work with a social agency, you should demand they incorporate earned media values into your reports. Get your earned media value for social content. Visit earnedmediavalues.com slash Allen. Again, that's earnedmediavalues.com slash A-L-A-N. For all of us, it's about predicting where the consumer is going and getting half of it right. One of the things we want to do is create ads that don't suck. Embracing change creates great possibility. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Today on the show, I've got Penny Wilson, Chief Marketing Officer at Hootsuite. Penny's been in a role at CMO for just about three years, maybe a little over three years at this point. And uh, Hootsuite, if you guys don't know, I think most people would, is a social media uh, software company. So they integrate all of your identities, help you manage campaigns, report analytics and the like. But Penny started her career, she actually was a computer science undergrad, spent a number of years in technology operations, into GM roles, and then the marketing roles um, at a number of companies you would know from Macromedia um, to Hootsuite to Merrill Lynch way back in the day. And so today on the show, we talk a little bit about Hootsuite's growth, uh, going from 10 million users to 18 million users over the last little bit, and how the expansion of use of social media inside companies is really driving some of that growth. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Penny Wilson. Well, Penny, welcome to the show. Thank you. Excited to be here. And I I know you're in Vancouver, which I, I think this might be the longest virtual Record. No, I take that back. There's been somebody in Australia, but it's uh, a pretty long one. It's a <laughs> it's part of the Commonwealth. One. Yes, yes. <laughs> 
So, um, well, let's start. Where did you start your uh, your career, and what's been your path to become CMO at Hootsuite? Yeah, my career started in an interesting way. So, I came out of college with a degree in computer science and business. So I spent the first 10 years in finance, both on uh, Bay Street here in uh, Toronto and on Wall Street in New York City. And I was really driving a lot of the, you know, from an IT perspective, driving a lot of uh, exciting projects and automation in the finance industry. You know, way during that time, things were still done on five-part paper uh, <laughs> and, you know, really becoming a trader that could trade within milliseconds was the leading competitive advantage. So it was an interesting, interesting way to start my career. And then I was attracted to a company out of Toronto. It was in 3D computer graphics. And it was sort of like, do you want to sell stocks and bonds for the rest of your life or do you want to change the world? And so I chose an opportunity to try to turn a failing uh, computer graphics company around. And uh, that's how I started to transition into more general management, into, you know, I ran the whole customer experience side there. And then I became the president um, and I ran marketing and then my career in marketing evolved from there. And I think because I had all of that data background and understood data science so well, it was it was also at a transitional period of the introduction of the Internet and other things that made data and marketing come together so significantly. That's a, it's fascinating. And the fact that you are a computer science, you know, or at least computer science degree in the past. How has that influenced you as a marketer? Well, I think I look, I look at the data. I, I am very data driven um, as a marketer. So I look for in, uh, tying whatever I do to the results that I can drive. Um, and so yeah, I think that's probably the primary thing. I understand data. I understand the importance of data. I understand looking at data for trends. Um, I understand how it can really differentiate you as a brand as well. Um, nice. Well, and you you transitioned from kind of an IT operational, if you will, background into marketing and GM roles, like you described. How? How difficult or what was that transition like? Was it difficult or was it just kind of natural? I think it was really natural when I think about it now. I, I having been a data scientist in IT, looking at customer information all the time or customer behavior, et cetera, and then utilizing that understanding in every role that I've ever played, and so I, I you know, I, I feel that as a marketer, I'm very customer first and listening to customers. And I often tell the story about, you know, at Alias, how much listening to your customers can really drive, you know, your whole business forward. It's not just a marketing exercise, obviously. It's something that the whole organization needs to be encompassed with. And that's why social makes it exciting because everybody in the company can be involved. But in, in the 3D computer graphics time, uh, 
the beginning of computer games and and 3D and in films, etc. If I don't know if you remember, but nobody could make digital hair. So when you first started playing computer games, <laughs> all the muscles and the skin looked really real, but the hair would stay still on top of the head. <laughs> and so you know it was really busting and the myth of how to create digital hair that really helped leapfrog the company. And it's those kinds of things, listening to your customers and their frustrations, what they're trying to do and what they're trying to accomplish and really solving some of those problems and bringing that value to the table really helps the whole company leap forward. Right. And, and was the company you were at, was that Macromedia? Is that, is that, do I have it No, right? that was a company called Alias. Uh, oh, we okay. bought by Silicon Graphics. Um, and after Alias, I went to Macromedia. Oh, and, okay. um, and, and the same, but the same thing applied. I mean, when right. we created Flash and we tried to bring the internet to life, it was the, the flashers, if you will, that really drove the technology and, and the things that we built in order to, you know, to really bring video and all the other elements that Flash did in its early days to uh, to the Internet. One of my first corporate jobs was actually creating computer-based training on macromedia products. Ah, <laughs> so, yeah. awesome. And then I transitioned to marketing from there, but uh, it was a long time ago, but I, I, I remember the products pretty well. So enjoyed using them, frankly. So yeah, good, good job back in the day. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that was it. That was another really fun company and, yeah. um, and built a really strong following, whether it was Flash or Dreamweaver or Cold Fusion, people were passionate about what we did and, mm-hmm. That's certainly what I love about Hootsuite as well. It's very comparable to my roles at Alias and my roles at Macromedia in that what we do here, the technology that we provide is really integral to the success of our customers. And um, and so there's a real great bond from a marketing perspective when you have a brand and when you have technology that does that. Well, so you have been at Hootsuite for about the last three years. Um, what have you been focused on and, and what what kind of results are you seeing? Yeah, so um, I guess just to, on that same theme, I've been focused on our customers, uh, helping make them successful, you know, whether that's by providing some of the best education in the industry, tools, helping them build value. So making sure that they, as they get more and more mature in their use of social that they actually can link them directly to the results of the business that they're trying to drive and then you know really be able to address the needs of customers whether they be just starting on social or be whether they're super sophisticated and uh, from an enterprise perspective Interesting. Well, I, we were originally, I think, supposed to meet when uh, we were both at the Adobe Summit back in the late spring, and um, we didn't connect, but we're connecting now, which is awesome. But I know while you were there, you're discussing the need to broaden the use of social media inside companies and and brands. And I'm just curious if you could enlighten us. Like, I didn't get a chance to see you talk, but tell us a little bit about your perspective and why it's important. Well, Alan, sorry you missed my talk. But, uh, I'm happy to. Uh, yeah, I, I, at a 
portion of my uh, talk was about the massive opportunity really for marketers because we are the, the first department typically to champion social. So we have this really incredible opportunity to lead the expansion even further. You know, we can unite our customers around the voice of the customer and be the champions of the insights of our customers and the data that social media generates. So I think it's just a really um, important time. And so I think I, I described it as, I use an acronym because I have this personal passion for neuroscience. And sometimes if you use mm. acronyms, people are more uh, likely to re remember them. So I used an acronym called ACE, A-C-E. So uh, the A stands for advocacy. So uh, the C stands for putting customers at the center of everything you do. And then the E stands for building an ecosystem so that you can really use the information effectively. Hmm. So from an advocacy side, you know, social media is really an effective way to rally your entire team around your story with your all of your employee advocates. And, you know, often uh, organizations overlook their employees as a serious competitive advantage. Um, I, I referenced Edelman's 2019 trust barometer. I don't know if you read that document. It's very mm -hmm. interesting. Talk about employees now as the most incredible source of information about a company. So more credible than journalists and more credible than industry analysts. So and and definitely, you know, much more easier to activate than uh, influencers. So, you know, you utilizing your employees is really uh, really powerful opportunity for you to harness your brand and so i gave some really great examples of customers that are doing that and then i talked about c being putting customers at the center of everything that you do because oftentimes i think that companies lose the plot when it comes to social media you know we get really excited as marketers there's some kind of new content and things go viral but really, customers have very practical reasons for giving us their attention on social. You know, they want, they, they have a moment of need. So they want customer services typically ranked as the number one reason that they want to um, talk with a company. And they want to, or they want to learn more about our products or products that interest them. Or they want to learn more about us. What is our purpose as a company? Mm. And so... But on, on social, most brands, we just try to talk to them. So, you know, we primarily use social media for brand awareness, which is generally a very worthy goal. But you kind of miss the opportunity to make that direct connection with your customers via whether it's your sales channels or your support channels, you know, we, in, in support, we often try to stop customers from talking to us, but this is a truly a new way to, to make insight, to make connections with customers. So I, I, I taught, gave some really great examples of customers that were doing things like that. And then the last piece is around ecosystem. I think, you know, our customers are the warm and fuzzy part of building a brand, but uh, the other one, the other side of it is the data that social can really provide. So, and it's really provides both 
what I would call IQ data and EQ data. So I don't think there's any other place that you can really get an emotional understanding of, of your customers better than you can on social. So really getting that data integrated into whether it's your CRM technology or your, or your, you know, ticket, your customer support technology. I think that there's a real opportunity because the, the, the more, you know, the more the deeper you go in in typical customer journey the less we know about them we kind of know them at the beginning and at the end so this really gives you an opportunity to um to harness that got it and so that's a that's a summary of my talk that you missed that's, but uh, that's great i also talked about measurement and how to be successful that's awesome. I love the acronym ACE too. It is very helpful in terms of advocacy, customer, putting the customer at the center in the ecosystem. It's a good way to think about it. Um, I know your growth has grown tremendously. Um, I, the stat I have is that your user growth, I think, has gone from 10 million to 18 million. Is it users or customers? I, w- I wasn't 100% certain which one it was. Um, it, it's users. Users. And so is this expansion of um you know use of social media or the you know within an organization is that what's driving that i mean it's almost a doubling almost of growth yeah i think that everyone i think three and a half billion people now are using social and so it's almost a must for most organizations and you know hootsuite's gives you an opportunity to sort of start and and then carry it into a much more sophisticated relationship. So and so it's you know it's not just companies, but it's all organizations, it's all governments with their constituents, mm-hmm. it's it's all you know universities and schools with their students. So that you know I think that it's just becoming a more predominant channel. You know, if you have kids today, I don't, my kids don't use a telephone. Right. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Uh, they don't really use email. So I just think that more and more of the conversation is moving to social. No, I I agree. I've got an 11 year old and I think she spends most of her time scrolling, uh, when we allow it, <laughs> scrolling, yes. scrolling Instagram or, or the gram as they call it. So it, 
there's there's been you know in digital marketing in particular i think in the last few years in particular um you know there's been a lot of negative things going on from you know the 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 key case of cambridge analytica around the election uh to continued kind of privacy issues mainly around facebook i think in the current time Um, but google's in there too you know do you have advice for marketers or business leaders as they evaluate their efforts and what they're doing yeah, I I would say that um, you know social networks have become and they will continue to be critical in how we both consume media, how we interact with other people, how we look for recommendations, how we engage with brands, how we make purchase decisions. So they're not going away, but I you know respecting the privacy of your customers uh, is is paramount. Uh, obviously, at Hootsuite, it's very important to us, and we have developed, you know, very robust policies. But I think more and more of marketing will definitely become permission-driven, particularly as organizations or as people in social media move more and more to private channels. That we will be having to ask permission to speak uh, or to communicate with a customer. And so I think that that is a trend that um, that we're going to see a lot in the future. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, you know, as a leader in the social media, you know, using tracking data, et cetera, aggregating your efforts and campaigns, it, what what do you see the biggest trends are for social? Uh, well, I would say the privacy uh, concerns are prevalent for sure. Um the shifting to private channels, you know, messenger now reigns. So we really have to work hard to build trust in those channels. And so the key to building trust in those channels is really to be able to add some value along the way. No longer can it be just that you're going to send somebody something if it it has to be non-intrusive to customers. And so there are lots of brands that are doing that. You know, I use a, a good example of one of our customers, which is SD Lauder, and they have a, you know, they have a lip artist chatbot where they combine uh, artificial reality and artificial intelligence to help you try on lipsticks. And so, that's the kind of value that you're not going to get away with just advertising something. You're really going to have to offer customers some kind of true value in in the messaging space. So I I would say that's one trend. Mm-hmm. I would say that another trend is really seeing social become more and more of a utility. So you see it in Asia. I would say Asia is probably first, like 70% mm-hmm. of China's Gen Zers are now transacting everything in social. Mm-hmm. And I would say that trend is, is going to become more and more prominent in North America for sure. And, uh, you know, social shoppers, they're used to using social media as one of their primary sources of information about a product and just putting that buy button, making it more accessible will make them um, more apt to buy online. And then I, th- I guess the last part would be really seeing, uh, oh, and, you know, a good example of social shopping. I love this example because it's Gucci. Mm. And um, they use Instagram 
to to a huge success, so much so that they have convinced the global investment bank UBS to recommend to investors that their Instagram is is a new metric when following luxury stocks, which I think is is amazing. <laughs> and then I think finally, uh, it's really the expansion of social across the whole organization and the fact that um, you can, that customer support is going to be a, an important channel for, for social, that social selling is becoming more prominent, um, that uh, if, you, if you really want to attract talent now, you need social. So... Uh, I would say those would be the three trends that I I think are important. That's great. That's great. Well, one of the things I love to do, you know, love talking about the business, but also love getting to know the person behind the microphone. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I love asking this question, is there, um, you know, an experience of your past that defines or makes up who you are today? Yes. So um, I would say, say there's lots of experiences obviously I think in my career the experience of the of combining data with marketing has always been a big one my I have a personal passion for neuroscience Mm -hmm. so I had a small startup in neuroscience I, I feel that sort of the brain is the last frontier and I also believe that you know mental health becomes that equation that's the least understood Mm -hmm. Uh, and I believe that uh, understanding the way people think and the way people feel and that combination of both is an important element uh, which defines me and um, and my passions moving forward that's great that's great a couple of uh, connections there actually Um, so I also share uh, an interest in neuroscience, maybe not as deep as, as you've done, but I, I started my career thinking I was going to become a clinical psychologist and um, was really interested in the linkage between biology, psychology, and genetics. And um, all of that plays out in the brain and the chemistry that's going on there. But um, And then I've had somebody on the show that you should check out, um, uh, this uh, PhD I think he's a PhD and MD, if I have that correct. Michael Platt. Um, he's out of uh, University of Pennsylvania. He's got like three appointments, and he's got an appointment in the Wharton Business School, in the Med School, and then in like the Psychology Department, I believe. But he's doing some really interesting neuroscience studies on the connection to marketing and how people feel about brands and things like that. So it's pretty interesting. But, um, I will talk about yeah, it. Thank you. Yeah, it's uh, it was fascinating research, what he's been doing. I know some of it hasn't been published yet, but he was sharing a little bit about it. Um, but yeah, I do. I agree. And neuroscience is fascinating, especially when you think about, you know, as business, we used to be this, you know, study of economics was the study of business in many ways, you know, supply and demand. But mm-hmm. um I was talking to an academic at one point and who's an economics PhD. And he said, you know, really what economics is, is the, the after effects of human behavior. <laughs> and we should really all be focused on human behavior. Um, so uh, I think neuroscience is right there at the crux of that. So interesting. 
Yeah. Well, and, yeah. and I think that the more and more marketing and communication is all about the individual, mm-hmm. less about the crowd. Um, so in the age of the individual, I think it's just really important um, thing to understand. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, um, if you were starting all over again, um, what advice would you give to your younger self? Uh, well, um, I guess, you know, I always reflect on what the best advice I'd ever received. I remember early in my career, I was always afraid to fail at something. Uh, but my, I, and I used to, you know, call up my dad and say, oh my gosh, dad, you know, I, I messed this up. And, uh, and I think that it's probably the best lesson from him is really to kind of look at what you learned and be much more reflective of the silver lining because making mistakes is probably the most important part of your career. Mm. Um, because it is the place that you will literally learn the most and taking risks is really the best way to propel yourself forward. Hmm. I like that. I like that sentiment. Well, what fuels you? What keeps you going today? Um, I guess um, probably my family fuels me, my friends, my children, my puppies, <laughs> uh, the fact that I believe I live in the most beautiful place in the world where I can hike in a forest any day. But I think it's that in combination with loving what you do. And I love my work. I, uh, I love the people that I work with. I love my customers. Uh, I love seeing people be successful and, and creating value. So that's what really fuels me every day is keeping those two things in balance. I like it. I like it. I tend to think marketers are kind of students of what's going on around them. And, um, you know, you mentioned some customers and what they're doing already, but I curious, you know, as you sit at Hootsuite and you're thinking about marketing, are there any other brands or companies that you follow or you, you take notice of and, or you think other people should be watching for what they're doing? So, I, I mean, I follow a lot of my own customer brands, just, you know, so the ways that I can be supportive of that, you know, things that I guess I, I would say I follow. Um, I'm a bit of a TED Talk junkie. <laughs> um, I follow people like Brene Brown um, on the, from a leadership perspective. I follow a lot of mental health things. Um, I guess I, I, you know, you follow what you love and, um, obviously I follow my competition. I follow what the press is saying. I follow what my customers are saying. And, you know, that's one of the beautiful things about social is every day I can look at my dashboard and I can see, uh, I can see generally what's going on. Hmm. Interesting. Well, I'm curious, you, you mentioned, because we were talking about mental health a little bit earlier, is there, is there, um, I, my family's had mental health in its family um, since I can remember. And <laughs> so I've come across this organization. I don't know if you know them. Uh, they used to be called NARSAD, but now they're called, I think, Brain and Behavioral Science 
foundation or something like that, but they're the largest, one of the largest um, funders of um, mental health research, brain and behavior research. And um, I, I don't know if there's any any causes or organizations. We just ended May, which is Mental Health Month, at least here in the U.S. <laughs> um, are there any organizations you you say people should check out? Well, yeah, I, I follow mostly my local. Yeah. Um, so uh, Bell Canada does a big initiative here in Canada around mental health. Uh, it's called Bell Let's Talk. Um, it's very oriented to young people. Um, so I would say probably from a local perspective, that's one of the, the bigger ones here in Canada. Nice. Good. Well, uh, last question for you. I'm curious, um, what do you see the future of marketing looking like? So I think the future of marketing will become increasingly personalized as a, mm-hmm. uh, and increasingly personalized in an increasingly private world, which will make it a challenge. I think from, you know, marketing, the, the, panacea is to be able to measure uh, the outcome of your activities to your business results. But I think it's important for marketing to be able to drop to look at their outcome, both based on business results, whether you're trying to drive revenue or decrease costs or mitigate risks or track leads or time to resolution, all of those things. But I think it's equally as important to be able to measure your outcomes of marketing by from your customer perspective because those things don't mean that much to your customer but it's whether whether you're inspiring them whether you're helping them decide whether you're you know showing them you care or connecting them with the community so make sure that you have a good healthy balance between business outcomes and customer outcomes I like that a lot. That's awesome. That's great advice. Um, and your initial opening statement, an increasingly uh, personalized and an increasingly private world. I think that sums up a great marketing challenge for us to figure out as we go forward. Yeah. So, well, Penny, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Hey, Alan, it was great. Thank you. Thank you for inviting yeah. me. Hi, it's Alan again. Marketing Today was created and produced by me with writing and editing by Kevin Greeley, social media support by Megan Woods, art and graphic design by Sarah Dell. If you're new to Marketing Today, please feel free to write us a review on iTunes or your favorite listening platform. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends and colleagues about the show. I love to hear from listeners and you can contact me at marketingtodaypodcast.com. There you'll also find complete show notes with links to anything we talk about on any episode. You can also search our archives. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today.